Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We receive it today in Jesus' name. Would you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 7? Mark chapter 7. And today is the last teaching on, uh, at least for this, worship is... is, this is not exhaustive in the sense that we've talked about every single thing with worship. We could talk about worship every single week forever and it wouldn't be enough, but this is the last teaching that we're doing right now on that, um, on worship, which is just, it's part of, it's who we are. It's part of our life. It's what we were born for. And today I'm going to, um, to talk with you out of Mark chapter seven, something very important. We're finishing up this series. If you have not listened to all the teachings, would you go back to the podcast and listen to it? Why not so you can listen to me, you know, it's not me, it's the word of God. You want to hear the word of God so that we can draw closer to Jesus and have a more intimate relationship with the Lord. I promise you it'll, it'll affect every single area of your life. So go to the podcast. Remember, we're starting again a series in two weeks about divine healing. Uh, bring someone who's sick. Bring someone who's healed. Bring someone who wants to know about healing. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that. And then remember about freedom coming up, okay? Uh, Mark chapter 7 and verse 13. Mark chapter 7 and verse 13. Jesus said this. He said, and so you, would you look on your screens? It says, and so you cancel the word of God. Can we read this together? And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. We live in a cancel society. What's that? It means I don't like what you say. I don't like what you do. I'm going to cancel you out. Jesus said, you cancel out the word of God because of your traditions. In other words, you chose your traditions more than you chose the word of God, which means your traditions probably weren't born in the word of God because you don't cancel. It doesn't cancel out itself, right? So look at it again. You cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own traditions. You embrace your own traditions, your own beliefs, more than you do the word of God. Lord, I pray today that as we open up your word, that you teach us, minister to us all that you would have to say. We receive from you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You know, we were all raised with certain traditions and and comfort zones. You may, in, you may have been raised in church and you may have been raised in a church that, that they never lift their hands and you just say, we don't do that, you know? And then you may have been raised in a church that, like I was raised in a church when I was a little kid, it was crazy church. I mean, it, it like, if you talk about spirit-filled, it was like double spirit, <laughs> like two spirit-filled. I mean, it, we, we, they ran the aisles and they, I mean, if they would have had chandeliers low enough, they would have swung from them. I mean, it was just no snakes, okay, no snake handlers or anything like that. But I just remember as a kid thinking, these people are crazy, you know? And I, I'd even say, man, what's up? These people are crazy. My mom would, my mom would say, hey, don't make fun. Don't make fun. Don't say anything. Uh, but I remember being around that. And then I remember leaving that church and going into a different church. And they just had two people sitting up, uh, like sitting down during worship and playing a couple of guitars. 
And they were like, create in me a clean heart. And everybody just kind of singing, barely singing. And I'm thinking, are these people even saved? You know, like what's going on? Everybody has their, their different, you know, they're different. And then others, if you're not singing a hymn, like if you're not singing a hymn, you've, you've gone against God, you know, because the hymns were written by God himself, right? <laughs> right? I mean, that's, if you're not singing a hymn, I mean, you know, that, that's the way it is. And so you tend to come in, or if you walk in, you know, some people walk in and they see stained glass windows and they're like, yeah, okay, I know what kind of church this is, you know. No, you don't. I don't even know what kind of church this is. I'll tell you what kind of church it is, is we just want, we don't want any traditions to supersede the word of God. Can someone say amen? Right? This is the word, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. Bring all your this is what I believe and leave it at the door and just bring your Bible in and be open to the Lord. Be open to scripture. Can I tell you, if I, if I minister something to you, don't listen to me if it's not backed up with scripture. Don't listen to your last preacher if it's not backed up with scripture. The only, one, the, the only one that we should be listening to is Jesus, is the Lord. Now, of course, listen to me if I'm preaching the word. We need to stick with the word of God more than we stick with our traditions. What kind of people are we? Now, Jesus said your traditions have made the word of God of no effect or you cancel out the word because of your traditions. I remember Naaman in the Bible. Naaman went to Elisha and Elisha was this powerful prophet this powerful man of God who worked miracles, and Naaman had some money, he had some esteem, and he said, call for the prophet to come to my house. I want him to heal me of leprosy because I'm in a bad state. Well, um, he, he actually went to uh, Elisha, and Elisha wouldn't even come out. Elisha just sent a servant and said, go tell Naaman to go dip in the Jordan seven times. And the guy was insulted. He's like, basically like, do you know who I am? Do you, like, you don't even respect me enough to come out and talk to me, first of all. Second of all, like, I have to pass cleaner places. I'm not going to do it. Didn't make sense. And uh, he said, like, kind of forget that. I'm not going to do that. It's not what I do. It's not who I am. And his servant said to him, if he asked you to do something easier, wouldn't you just do it? Why don't you, like, what do you have to lose? Your skin's going to all fall off pretty soon anyway, right? Come on. And so he said, all right, Finally went by one, you know, one place. He went to the Jordan River, which wasn't necessarily the cleanest place. And he dipped one. See, doesn't work. Dipped two. See, doesn't work. He got to six. He got to seven. What happened? He came up seven times and his skin was all clean. See, it wasn't that the Jordan River had some cleansing agent and it was perfect. No, it was obedience. It was respect and obedience to the word of the Lord. More than what he felt like doing or more than, 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 than he was. The, you, do you know baptism? We're having baptism second service. Baptism is the very first obedience that you have in receiving the Lord. The Bible says, uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And so some people just say, I don't need to be baptized. Well, if the Lord said you do, it's kind of the first step of discipleship. And so I've never been baptized. In fact, if you've never been baptized, you made Jesus the Lord of your life, stay second service and you can get baptized. Right here. We'll, we'll, make, it, we'll make it easy. And uh, um, we have baptism. But baptism, some people just say, I don't, I don't want to do that. How many of us are holding back the plan of God, the word of God, because of your tradition? Because of the way you've been raised, even because of your, <clears throat> your beliefs, your political beef, beliefs, your skin color, your socioeconomic 
uh, status, your education. We just don't do that. And that's the, that's the title of, of this today. We just don't do that here. Because I think we have too much, we just don't do that here in church. We just don't do that here. The way we do it is, the way we, oh, forget all that. Drop all that at the door. Come and let's humble ourselves and find out the way God wants us to do things. Can somebody say amen? amen. See, styles and practices of worship. Some people worship more emotional. If they didn't feel God, if they didn't sweat through their clothes, they didn't really get to, get to God today, right? And other people are like, I, I have to intellectually understand what I'm, you know, all this repeat on these simple phrases aren't catching me because I, I need to make sure to understand intellectually, understand God, right? That some people worship him with their minds. Some people worship him with their emotions. Some people are feely people. I gotta feel it. Feel it. These hands don't go up. If I don't feel it, I don't sing it, right? Which is best, to feel or to think? Well, some say you should have, you know, a healthy mind. Other people say you should have healthy emotions. Well, which one should you have? Both. Jesus said, love the Lord your God, Luke 10, 27, with all of your what? Heart. That's the part that's been born again. Those who worship must worship in spirit, in heart, and in truth. So that's really where worship comes from. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. What is that? That's your feelings, your emotions, the way you feel and process. So should you love the Lord your God with your soul? Yeah. Yeah. You should be passionate about the Lord. If you realize the hell he saved you from, and we sang a song about the, our Redeemer, and we stand there, I don't know if I feel like it. <laughs> I think if we could just understand the price that Jesus paid, We'd be willing to say, oh my gosh, you saved me from hell. You saved me from destruction. I'm not just talking about eternal hell either. I'm talking about hell on earth. Pulled you out of a pit. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. What is that? It means it, it, I like to read worship lyrics that help me to, that have good theology and that helped me to understand the nature of God and who God is. And with all of our strength, what does that mean? It means get your body involved. I just love him in here. That's good. So that's the start, right? It's like starting your engine and sitting in the driveway. No, you got to go somewhere. You got you to love him total. You, you, you can't just love him internally. You have to move. You have to let your outward represent your inward. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I know he's not just talking about worship. He's talking about life. All of them have value and all of them are important and all of them enhance one another. However you were raised, whatever that may be, is not the only way. Come on, would somebody admit that today? However you were raised, whatever church you came from, whatever doctrine you learned is not the only way. Now, there are certain truths that are the only way. Jesus is the only way. The Bible's the only way. There is the cross is the only way. I'm not saying there's many ways to God, but I'm saying the, 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 the application and the, the way that you process or maybe your personality, so to speak, of church is not the only Way We can learn some things from one another. How many know that you can learn some things from one another? Yeah? We can learn some ways to express from one another. If I had to go to a boring, dead church that didn't, wasn't responsive in worship, I couldn't take it. 
I'd stay home. I just couldn't take it. I love when people are responsive. But if I'm the most responsive person in the room, that'd be hard for me too. Right? I, I think that would be hard, but it was, I, I think we encourage one another in our worship and in our worship styles. It's important. I remember when I was teaching in college, in Bible college, uh, I remember that I was teaching uh, uh, and, and teaching different worship leaders, and I had several worship leaders that I was kind of, they'd lead worship uh, to a few hundred people that would be in our chapels and things like that. And then I'd come and I'd ask them, how do you think it went? And I'd kind of coach them and help them with some things. And I remember this one guy, he was from Africa, and, uh, and, and his name was Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And I said, hey, Sunday, you're going to lead worship this morning. I'm going to lead worship this morning. We're going to sing, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And he had some songs. And I thought, man, this is going to be great. And Sunday got out there. And you have, you know, these Bible American Bible college, you know, students that are sitting in there. And, and they love the Lord. But Sunday is like, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord. He starts clapping and dancing and singing. And they kind of looked at him. They didn't know what to do with it. And, 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 and he's like, I mean, you talk about passionate. This guy's going for it. And then we get to the worship time. Uh, when I say the worship, like the slower songs that are talking to God. And you'd see people that are out there and they're lifting their hands. And some are, have tears in their eyes. and They're crying. And, and they're, but just different expressions. And I remember afterwards I said to Sunday, how, how do you think things went? These people don't love the Lord. I said, what do you mean? They, in my country, we dance and sing and rejoice and shout. And I, and I said, yeah, but, but so what, what's, they don't do it. They don't, they're embarrassed by God. And I said, yeah, but they, they, they're processed. They love the Lord and in this kind of, you know, they do, they do lift their hands and cry and this thing I don't understand. <laughs> He's telling me, you know, but I'm trying to explain to him. You can't interpret whether someone loves the Lord through your eyes or through your background. You can't judge someone else. You can't walk into some church that's all out and judge them. Oh, they just this, they just this. Jesus would say, who are you to judge? Get, your, get the log out of your own eye before you want to get the speck out of someone else's eye. I mean, if someone loves the Lord sincerely and rightly as worship him with an honest heart, come on. They're, they have it pretty much on, right? I mean, things are going well. I know they're a little crazy, and others are a little dry, right? But it's important to open up and love the Lord. There are some universal things. We need to make a decision, though, that if we see this in Scripture, if we see things in Scripture, that we need to believe them. How many would say today that if you see something in Scripture, you'll believe it? Yeah, yeah, come on, right now. How many... Yeah, good. If we're seeing in Scripture, so I'm going to do this. I'm just going to run over 10 things that we do in worship in Scripture. Number one, remember, if we see it in Scripture, sing. Why do we sing? You can jot this down. Why do we sing? Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. He's not talking to ministers. He's talking to the body of Christ. Teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Singing is something that we do together. That's why we do it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. He's writing that to a different church here. It's what we do together. Singing is primarily what we do together that brings us in unity. That's why we sing. We don't sing because we just came up with that and we said, Hey, that's good. Kind of works, huh? 
kind of a good, kind of, kind of a good thing. Yeah, it's a great thing. No, though, it, it's scriptural that we come in and sing. Number two, clap. Why do we clap? Why do we clap? Um, Psalm 47, verse 1. It says, oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God with a voice of triumph. Now, primarily, you don't see clapping in the Bible a lot when it comes to worship, but you, you do see when you do clap, you see it, it's a company with shouting, which is not what you see in the modern-day church. In the modern-day church, people will end a worship song, and because they've seen it on the YouTube videos and all the, you know, and all the uh, concerts and things, worship concerts and stuff, they end do-do-do-do-do. Sort of like a performance at a concert. But that's not what you see scripturally. When it says clap, you see clap and shout. In other words, let your mouth be where praise. When I say let's all praise the Lord, if I were to say that in most churches, let's all praise the Lord. You know what most churches would do? But if I were to say, hey, let's tell, uh, let's tell Nate what a great job you know, he did, and I walk up and go. Right? We do that for man, but, we, but, but for God... Praise is always, your praise will ever be on my lips. It's something that comes in our lips. We can clap in accompanying that, but it's with our mouth. So, but why do we clap? Well, one reason we clap is because the Bible says clap and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. It, there's a victory. There's like a, yeah, you scored the touchdown. You won the series. Like, but you're with God. You're like, you're a victorious God. But also it helps rhythm, right? For most people who clap, it helps rhythm in the room. Some people, it like hurts rhythm, right? <laughs> I remember just a little while back, somebody was up here and they're clapping and they're like, and I was like, one, two. Let me just teach you real quick. Um, if you don't know where to clap, if you don't know where to clap, follow the snare drum. That's like, mm. We will, no, 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 that's the wrong, wrong song, wrong song. But I'm saying like, if you're going, your clapping is where the snare drum is. So it's usually like on one, two, one, two, or one, right? It's, it's like, that's where the clap is. And we want to clap in unity. So sometimes it, it, it helps with that. But try, mainly the reason we clap is because it's triumph, okay? It, 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 number three, praise. Why do we praise? What is praise? It's talking about God. There's there's thanking God. Sometimes they're shouting, thank you, Jesus. I love you. Why do we do it? Just because we've been raised in a church like that? No, this is scriptural. Psalm 100, verse 1 says, make a joyful shout. Can you say joyful shout? Why, why did he say joyful shout? Because it's not, it's not like, ah! Ah! You ever seen someone like do that in worship before? I have. And I've been like, dang, that guy's constipated. <laughs> guy's mad. He's had a bad week. <laughs> you know? <sighs> no, he says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, right? Yes, there's victory, right? We know what a joyful shout. Does anybody catch me this morning? Okay. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 says, rejoice. That comes from the root word joy. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do you know in all occasions we should give thanks? In fact, thanks is what kind of keeps our good posture in the spirit, right? If you don't have good posture, you're going to have back problems, right? Do you know what keeps good posture in the spirit? Thanksgiving, because you can't be thankful and complain at the same time. 
right? I've never seen a person that's complaining, I'm so thankful and ticked off that you can't be. It's like polar opposite, right? It's polar opposite. So Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. We're going to offer a, a, a praise and thanksgiving. It's a posture of victory, not a posture of depression. Uh, number four, what do we do? Lift hands. Why do we lift hands? Why do we lift hands? Well, 1 Timothy 2.8, and I'm just giving you a couple of scriptures, one or two scriptures on this, two or three. Uh, uh, 1, 1 Timothy verses, uh, 2, chapter 2, verse 8 says, I desire, therefore, that men or mankind, men and women, would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Lifting up holy hands, what is wrath? It means I'm ticked off, right? And so someone comes up and go, are you okay? And sometimes you'll see people go, I'm good, right? I'm good. It's just a gesture to say, I don't have anything in my heart, nothing against you. I come in peace, so to speak. All is well, right? Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Uh, Psalm 63, verse 4 says, thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift my hands in your name. I will lift my hands in your name. It, lifting your hands is a sign of open surrender, right? Some stick them up, right? <laughs> stick them up. What are they doing? They're saying, I, hey, I don't have anything. I'm right here. Here I am, right? It's open surrender that you're saying, here I am. It's also a sign of dependence. I know, uh, I, I remember sometimes I'd walk in the door, and when my kids were two years old or something like that, I'd walk in the door, and I'd open the door, and they'd go, Daddy's home! And they come up. It's just a sign of, hey, I want you. I need you. You're my daddy, right? And so they, they, they lift up their hands. It's a sign of surrender. In fact, right now, could you just take your hands and just lift them up right now? Come on. Just do it right now, everybody. Just lift your hands right there, right where you are. Good. Thank you, Ann. <laughs> we lift our hands. Yeah, you can put them back down. See, nothing happened. You might, that may be your first time you ever lifted your hands in church. Did nothing happened, Right? But you, it's just a sign of surrender. That's what it is. Um, uh, sign of dependence. Number five is uh, why do we stand in church? Why is it important to stand in church? Or why do we do it? Well, Exodus 3, 5, you remember when Moses came up to the burning bush. He said, don't draw near to this place, but take off your sandals and feet. Take off the sandals, take off your feet. Take off the sandals off your feet. He says, for the place where you stand is holy ground. One of the reasons why we stand is because when you may have been in an unholy environment in different places during the week, but when you come into church, you're standing on holy ground. You're standing in a place where the presence of God is. And there's something about saying, God, I stand before you today. Number six, why do we kneel? Why do we kneel or bow down? Well, Psalm chapter 95 verse six says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. What is it doing? It's saying, God, we pay homage to you, so to speak, or we, we will lower ourselves and recognize that it's you who made us. It's you who we came from. I, who am I to challenge the Lord, right? Lord, I kneel before you. I, I, I kneel before you. Um, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 says that at the name of Jesus, the name which is of every, every name, every knee should bow, those things in heaven, those things in the earth, those things under the earth. That means all the demonic realm, all the angelic realm, all the human realm. Every single of all, whoever it is, people say, are there aliens? There are or not, <laughs> whatever you believe. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't really care. I don't really think about it. But here's what I do know. If there are Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the Lord, right? So they have to bow to the name of Jesus. Why? Because he's the creator of all, everything on earth. He created everything, right? 
By the way, I don't believe there's uh, aliens. Okay. Um, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of all these things, and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. So what are they doing? He's saying one day every knee is going to bow, but today we're just going to choose to bow. We're going to choose to bow. Uh, why do we close our eyes or lift our eyes? You know, sometimes you do. <laughs> I love the posture where, where someone's just like this. I mean, the whole time we're singing. You're leaving, you're like, let's sing to the Lord. <laughs> I mean, they, they're like they're playing poker with you like they have. <laughs> you don't even know what they're thinking. <laughs> I'm like, why are you here? <laughs> are you sure you want to be here, brother? <laughs> Sister and... <laughs> Uh, why do we lift our eyes? Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. When we lift our eyes, it's we're getting our eyes on the Lord. When we close our eyes, sometimes you're blocking out your own funk, your own stuff, your own obstacles, and you're putting your eyes on the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. In other words, I'm in this valley, but, but, but the Lord's coming right over that mountain. I'm lifting my eyes, and he's my help. He's my rescue. I'm lifting my head up from my situation. I remember the first time, uh, why, why do we close our eyes? We, we close our eyes because, again, we're getting our eyes off of uh, uh, the situation we're in. But I know that some people will pray all the time without their eyes closed. And I remember the first time, I was raised with always kind of, like, bow your head and close your eyes, right? So I did this. But I remember I was in a, a, a meeting a number of years ago, and, and someone is talking like this, and they're up here, and they're talking, and then they're just like, and Lord, we just, we pray for such and such, and this and that, and then, and he just, he prayed this long prayer, but he's like staring at everyone, and I thought, is God even, can God even hear him? <laughs> He's closing his eyes. You're supposed to close your eyes, you know? I thought you had to close your eyes for the Lord to hear you. Like the Lord's like, okay, now I'm listening. But, but we do close our eyes to get our eyes off of other things, okay? Close your eyes. Number eight, number eight. We, why do we begin with worship? Well, Psalm 100 verse four says, enter in his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. It kind of sets the tone. It comes and lets everybody know whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, wherever you've been, lay that aside. Let's lift up God right now. Let's put Jesus as the center of where we are right now and watch what he does in our lives. Psalm 22, verse 3, it says this. It says, but you are holy and throned in the praises of Israel. Well, Israel's special seat up for now grafted in is his people as well. Enthroned in the praises. In other words, I'm going to put a special seat up for you, Lord. And you, you, will, you will say that when you begin to praise the Lord, the Lord comes and sits down right at the center of the assembly, right at the center of your heart. Sometimes when, uh, I'll tell you, the best thing you can do when you're going through a bunch of stuff and you have opposition, spirit, you ever go through spiritual fights or opposition and you're just like, I don't know what it is. I feel like the devil himself's chasing me down today. Like I'm just going through all this stuff. You know, the best thing you could do is worship. The best thing you can do is just stop and lift up the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says that when you worship, he's enthroned. He sits down. And when God is enthroned, Satan is dethroned. There's only one throne. So when, when God is enthroned, Satan is dethroned. I'm just going through so much stuff. But start worshiping the Lord. Start worshiping. Let God arise and his enemies be 
Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Sometimes we just want to tell the devil, go to hell, get away from me, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, draw near to God, resist the devil. It's always lift God up first and then the devil will scatter. I don't know why the devil's not leaving because God's not arising. Let God arise, lift up God, worship God, praise God. Put him at the center and what happens? All these other things just leave, right? Uh, number nine, why do we sing with understanding and sing in the spirit, spiritual language? Well, this wasn't something that was written by a charismatic church or something. This was, uh, it was written by Paul the Apostle by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the book of, or to the church at Corinth. And he's talking about speaking in tongues and he's talking about having a spiritual language. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He encouraged them to do it. He just said, but in church... He said, if I came and I spoke in an unknown tongue and started saying in my spiritual language or saying, how would you even know you'd go, amen? Like, you don't know what he's talking about. You're like, what's, what's he saying? Is that, is, that, is that Indian? Is that, is that Spanish? Like, what is that? What's the language? Well, he's speaking a different language, but why do we, you sometimes will hear people that'll sing out in English, sing out with words, but sometimes they'll sing out in the spirit. Why are they doing that? Well, Paul said, what is the conclusion then after he taught about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14? He says, I will pray in the spirit, with the spirit. He was talking about praying in church. He said, I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. What is he saying? I'll pray things that I don't understand, nor do you, and I'll also pray things that I do understand, right? But when I'm with you, I'm, I'm not going to get up here and talk in tongues. I'm not going to get up here and primarily talk in, in the spirit because you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. So it doesn't help you. It doesn't edify you because, and he says in a different place in here, he who prays in, in, in an unknown tongue edifies himself, right? Jude 20 120 says, uh, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. So uh, why do we sometimes, you'll hear people that will sing or you'll see, sometimes we'll sing in the Spirit. Well, because Paul said, I'll do in, in English, not, not English, but in his known tongue, and the Spirit. Um, in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Cretans and Arabs, remember when they were first filled with the Holy Spirit, it says that the Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in their own tongues the wonderful works of God. A lot of times when you're, when you're in a worship setting and, you, and you'll hear someone praying out in the Spirit, what are they praying? Well, it's not evil. It's not destruction. <laughs> no, it's the wonderful works of God. It's blessing God. It's loving God. That's why we do that. Someone said, why do you do that? Well, that's why we do that. Paul said, do it. He said, let all things be done decently and in order. Um, and then number 10, worship together. Why do we worship together? Worship is intimacy, one-on-one -on -one with God. Why do we do it together? Well, Acts 13, verse 2 says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. When we get together in corporate settings and we love God together, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit speaks. We see it in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13. It says, indeed, it came to pass that when the trumpeters and singers were as one, this was the band, like we had a band up here this morning, and make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. When they lifted up their voices and uh, the trumpets and the cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord for he is good, this is what they said, 
and his mercy endures forever, that the house, that would be like this house, the house was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering. Because of the cloud, the glory of the Lord filled the house. What does that mean? It means that as they worshiped the Lord, were one, the presence of the Lord came into the place. And that's why sometimes what will happen, many times what will happen is we'll be in the middle of worship and all of a sudden the presence of the Lord will come. I'm not saying you'll see a cloud or anything, but you know that God just showed up in the room, uh, that, that, that God was, is right there with you and, and, he's, and he's speaking to you and he's loving on you. That's the 10 reasons, the 10 things that we do in worship and why we do them. Um, can you come on? Uh, there are four things that we don't do, and I'm going to read these to you. Listen, number one, anything that distracts or brings attention to an individual. We don't do anything that distracts or brings attention to an individual. This is why we do things together like sing, because we're all in it together. We're all doing one. Uh, you know, some churches will have bring, BYOB, bring your own beer. No, I'm kidding. Bring your own, like, tambourine or bring your own, like, flag or bring your own, like, shofar or bring your own... You know, whatever it is, whatever you want to do, just come bring your own uh, paint set or bring your own uh, uh, pottery or bring your own dance or whatever. All those things are awesome. Man, I think creativity in the presence of the Lord is amazing. Have you ever seen that in an environment? It's just beautiful, beautiful. But why don't we do that? Why, why someone will come and say, can I bring a tambourine? Well, we, because uh, the instruments we put on the stage, which will enhance us to be able to do something in unity all together. Uh, there's nothing against having tambourines, but I've been in worship settings to where there was a beautiful worship setting and a tambourine kind of threw. I can't even think. Can't even pro- you ever been there? You ever been to the church? I, I can't even process, right? Or sometimes someone says, I, I want to come dance, and, and, but they always want to dance up at the front so you could see them. And I said, well, dance, but... Could you dance back there or could you, you know, because it's dancing before the Lord, not before people. There was one church that I heard that this guy did tumbling, you know, like gymnastics, like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and so he came and set up his, his worship mat down the side and every worship service you'd hear, <laughs> you know, he goes and he does his tumbling and you go, what's that dude doing over here? He's just, it's creativity, brother. It's creativity. No, it's not just creativity. It's something that you can do. uh, You can do things, but will it enhance worship? Will it bring attention to you or will it bring attention to the Lord? Also, we don't do fake church. God dishonest. We're not here to fake church. I hate fake church. God hates fake church. David said in Psalm 51, verse 4, he said, Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts. The number one thing that God wants from you is honesty. He doesn't need you to try to act like you're good enough because you aren't, nor am I. Hebrews 4.13 says, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open. When we come and worship the Lord, you're exposed. And he knows that. Just be honest with him. Another, uh, the next thing we do is anything that shows others our spirituality. This is what we don't do. We don't come to worship so that other people can think that we're spiritual. I don't care what they think. We come to worship. Jesus said that there was these two men in Luke chapter 18, and he said, and one man said, oh, Lord, you know, basically look at me and all that I'm doing, and this man's a sinner over here. And he says, I tell you, the man who went down to his house, one went justified and one didn't. He said, because everyone who exalts himself will be abased. And everyone who uh, puts himself down or will come and humble himself, he'll be exalted. The presence of the Lord is not the place to show off. 
never. And then number four is anything that is trying to replace simple obedience. Worship is not anything that tries to replace simple obedience. In other words, God's telling you to do something. God's putting something in your heart and you're like, I don't want to do that, but I'll come do this. <laughs> you ever done it? I have. You ever done that before? You know God's stirring your heart about something and you're like, ah, I'll, I'll worship more today or I'll give, I'll, I'll do something. But um, the, the scripture that Sam, Samuel was told by uh, or Samuel told Saul, Saul was the first king, he said, to obey is better than sacrifice. He really said this, he said, and out of the message, I just read this, do you think all God wants is your sacrifices, empty rituals, just for show? He wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the thing, not staging a lavish religious production. Not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around with the occult. Getting self-important around God is far worse than making deals with your own dead ancestors. He says, because, uh, because you said no to God's commandment, he also says no to your leadership, your kingship. So as we close today, listen, as we close today, can we tell the Lord that we, we're closing this worship series, that we just want to worship him the way he wants to be worshiped. Not the way Memphis Tabernacle wants, not the way Dave, Pastor David wants, but the way he wants the way he wants to be worshipped. Come on, let's surrender to the Lord right now. Just take a, take a minute. Open your hearts, open your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to worship you. You're, you're obviously very clear about the way you want worship. Lord, help me to worship you with a sincere heart. Would you do this right now? Would you say, Lord, I surrender myself. I surrender my heart. I surrender my traditions. I surrender the old ways to you today. In fact, stand to your feet for a moment. Would you do it? As we close, just stand to your feet for a moment. Would you set down your stuff for a moment and just lift your hands to the Lord? Come on, right where you are. Forget what the person thinks. Forget where you came from. Just say, God, I give you myself. I give you my traditions. I give you my, my own uh, filter or the way that I try to process you. And I come and I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my worship to you. Just speak to him right now. I surrender myself to you today. Help me to draw close to you. Help me to know you better. Help me to know God better. Wait, I pray today. I surrender my heart to you, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, and I pray for every person in here who has an honest heart before you. I pray that you draw near to them, draw closer to them. Help them to be closer to you in worship than they've ever been in their lives. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he came to die for you, to save you. He was raised again on the third day. Just pray this prayer with me today. Say, Jesus, I open my heart to you today. I invite you to come in and wash away all of my sins. I make you my Lord and the Savior of my life. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for giving me hope. Thank you for Jesus in my heart. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.